Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, uh, we have another esteemed guest today. Is, does esteemed mean that his steam's coming out of his ears from all the stuff that's going on over at Michigan? Uh, what, 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 what? Well, we'll talk to Michael Cohen about all this stuff that's going on over there. Are you suggesting that he's uh, that something's not quite right in Michael Cohen? Is anything ever quite right at Schembechler Hall? Is it just is there ever not drama? I mean, it's just uh, it's like the days of our lives with with James Harbaugh. Well, which is great, gr- great for business, but it, it wears out the beat writers. Yeah, we had a uh, Reiner Saban, our colleague, all of our colleagues uh, had a story today about um, you know whether Jim Harbaugh acted appropriately enough when he was asked about the booing. When Cade McNamara played uh, Saturday night against Hawaii, late Saturday night, um, unfortunately for Michael, maybe even Sunday morning, right, Michael? Oh, so, no, yeah, Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah, I got to bed about uh, 4.45 Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's but just... you had a nice, relaxing Sunday off, right? Nothing else. You were just... No, I definitely did not have to write three stories on Sunday. Just two. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. Well, yeah, so let's... Uh, Let's get to some Michigan football with Michael Cohen, and uh, and then a little bit later, you can tell us what's going on with the Lions and how optimistic you are, and why that's so, and who's hijacked your soul. The soul? Are we going to re, are we going to rebrand this? The soul of Carlos? Is it? We can, we can. By the way, when there's a pause, you you, you can usually tell with the inflection of speech. That, then you go. No, I I never know when you're going to stop talking, Sean. It's it's uh, quite a lot, so I have to I have to make sure. You know what? I've listened to the Soul of Detroit, and you guys talk over each other so much. You've gotten better at it, but I never know. Like, okay, who's talking? Are you going to let ML talk? Is he going to let you talk? Is Fellow? So I'm trying to I'm trying to like give you your space, Sean. Okay, well I, I appreciate that. Well, how about we give Michael Cohen some yeah. space? The great Michael Cohen who covers Michigan Wolverines for us, obviously. Michael, uh, welcome in. Thanks for uh, joining us. And what? Uh, What's going on over in Wolverine land? You, you, you pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it seems that J.J. McCarthy has won the uh, quarterback competition uh, with Cade McNamara, the way he played uh, in a brief appearance in week one and then a, a larger appearance in the first start of his career in week two pretty much sealed the deal. I mean, it, it was obvious to, to anybody watching, whether you're a coach or not, that, you know, he was just a level above what Cade McNamara uh, could offer at the beginning of this season. And so JJ is going to be the guy starting against Connecticut uh, in a few days here later this week. And, uh, you know, barring injury, I would be surprised if he gives up that starting role for the uh, the remainder of the season. What do you think, Carlos, of that, by the way, since you're such a quarterback guru? <laughs> yeah, that that's, uh, you know, it was my, my question with with the whole uh, Cade and and you know the McNamara McCarthy showdown and everything and it was just uh, you know if you look at the level of play right in those two games I mean there was no question you know you wrote about it Sean it was it was undeniable what McCarthy brought um, in his first start and I think he I think he's mentioned you know that it was uh, uh, you know it was different it was or you mentioned it was it can be freeing right to know that you have the job to know that you don't have the pressure of, you know, am I going to get subbed out, whatever it might be, having that preparation time, um, going in with a different attitude, right? Uh, the question is just how much how much of this was, uh, you know, mind games that mess with McNamara, you know, because even as much as Harbaugh might have said, this is not a demotion, you know, it's a promotion for, for JJ and all that that's got to mess with a guy, right? Like he feels like he earned that position last year and, and he's the team captain and all this. And you could just sense it from the way he was after that first game against Colorado state. Um, 
you know, he felt, I think he felt he got his, got something stolen from him. And I think the more you think about this, if you put any quarterback in that position, right, they had a good season last year, you know, and they come in and the coach says, you know what, though, the backup had a pretty good training camp, pretty good fall camp. Uh, we're going to see, we're going to see the first couple of games. It's going to be an open cockpit. You, I mean, even elite athletes can be mentally as fragile as the rest of us. Sometimes you change that construct for them. You change the, their confidence sometimes. And maybe that's what, I mean, Kate, he played so poorly in that game against Hawaii. I mean, to me, it was kind of shocking. I don't know about you guys. What, what do you think? Was it surprise? I mean, if you just had knew nothing about anything and turned on that game, you think, oh, this is some, I don't know, some four string kid that they're just giving a shot to that interception was one of the worst probably I've ever seen. And from him and, and maybe in, you know, elite college level play against a bad team. Um, I don't know. Did it seem, did it seem that this was, you know, a different kind of Cade McNamara that we've seen before someone who has been altered in some way? Yeah. I, I think, I don't know the, the quote that kind of just keeps coming back in my head is that every time when, when we would ask Harbaugh about McNamara last year during their winning streak and, and when, you know, he would make a big play or something late in the game, he would always say, you know, McNamara doesn't flinch. You know, my guys don't flinch. When the pressure's on, he's not going to flinch. And it's hard to say that McNamara did anything but flinch in this latest situation. Now, you may people may agree or disagree on, on whether or not he was put in a situation that was fair, but I'm just saying when he got his chances on the field in the first two weeks, he definitely flinched. Now, a couple of times he was let down by the offensive line. I think that's important to, to note. I mean, the sack that he took against uh, against Hawaii was, you know, a joke by right guard Zach Sinter, just completely matadored and, and allowed a guy to come right through. And when he got leveled in, in week one, it was Trente Jones, the right tackle, who got beat really badly by the edge rusher. So it's, it's not like every single one of his snaps was a clean pocket or anything like that. I mean, I, I think I think the – the announcement by Harbaugh on the on the podcast that uh, on the eve or a few days before the, the start of the, the regular season that basically said, this is what I'm going to do with week one with Cade and week two with JJ. I got the sense that when that announcement was made public and then privately it had been announced to the team a day or so before, I don't think Cade had any idea that that was coming. And, and when we talked to him um, a few days later, uh, he basically kind of said, yeah, you know, I, I thought I had won the job. I thought I had the best camp of, of my career, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he had basically, you know, conditioned his, his himself to think I'm in this spot. This is going to be mine. Let's go. I'm playing great football and let's roll into the season. And so something just doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if, if he really was playing his best football, but then Jim Harbaugh says, uh, the other day that JJ separated two and a half weeks ago, which would have been the last week of training camp, the first week of the regular season, and then the couple of days since then, something about the timeline isn't making a lot of sense, or some set of eyes was not seeing things the way that everybody else was. Because if JJ was playing the way he played against Hawaii for the last two and a half weeks, there's no way Cade matched that on a practice field because it was just stuff that Cade can't do. Like he can't make some of those throws. It's just not within him. So what was Cade doing the last two weeks to think that he had the job secure? I just don't, something is weird. Something, I don't know. There's some element or timeline that is not being accurately portrayed. And, and I just don't know what that is. 
And I, I just, can I, can I say one thing? Just, I'm curious about that. It's a really good point that Michael makes is, I mean, it really sounds like, you know, McNamara was like blindsided by this whole thing, right? It was not talked, he didn't talk to them privately about it, which is probably the way it should have been handled. If you're going to do this, pull, bring both those guys in tell them, Hey guys, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to talk about it on the podcast tonight, but just so you know, even then it still would have stopped. Well, they, did, they did do that. Okay. Yeah. But I think it was like, it happened so close to the start of week one that I don't think Cade was expecting it. Okay. All right. So it was too, it was really close. All right. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, Carlos, and for the listeners, I, allow me, if this is okay, Michael, I think what you're saying is that the quarterbacks were told by Harbaugh. It's just that it was so close to the season. The podcast is kind of neither here nor there. It, it may not have been fun to hear that publicly, but he already knew that privately because he'd been told it's just, it was so close yeah. to the start of the camp. The bigger issue in his own mind, and and this is this is the theory that that I that I would offer up. Um, I think it's just my my perspective. I think in Cade's own mind, he did think he was playing probably the best ball. Maybe he just felt more comfortable coming off of last year. The success felt more confident. Maybe he looked a little bit sharper um, in practice than he did a year ago. But again, that's there's a cap to that, right? There's a ceiling to that. But but he can't see that cap because it's hard to see that no matter what we're doing for any of us and ourselves. So he's in that spot. Meanwhile, McNamara is, excuse me, McCarthy's doing what he, what Harbaugh said he was doing the last, what, week of camp, week and a half of camp, whatever. And as, to your point, Michael, it's just he's doing stuff that McNamara can't do. And sometimes it's hard to see that. It's like we experienced that just for our listeners. We experienced that. Y'all probably doing whatever you're doing out there, but we do that in our own business. How many times, Michael or Carlos, have you been in competition with somebody or you you wanted a, a job, a certain kind of beat, whatever, um, a, a writing position, and you look at the competition around and you look at your own stuff and you're like, well, I'm just as good or I'm better. And and maybe we're not in that, right? It's just, it's hard for us to judge. So I, I really think that's probably all this was in some level is, is more McNamara and his... Uh, not one to maybe acknowledge what McCarthy was doing at the same time, feeling as good as he's ever felt. I'm curious what y'all think of that. Yeah. I mean, I I've wanted the Sean Windsor job for a long time and then still have not gotten it. So, uh, you know, call me, call me Cade Menards if you want, I guess, but um, no, you know what it's, it's, and, and you, we have to remember this, right? These are young men. These are how old is Kate? 21, 22. I mean, you know, this is the first time in their lives that they're dealing with this kind of thing. This, this kind of professional adversity, and you you put a you put a guy who took took your team in the college, you know, uh, football playoffs, you know, and and they won the Big Ten title and they they beat Ohio, all this stuff, and it's like, oh, you're not going to be the starter next year. You've lost your job, you know. Um, that's just kind of crazy, you know. It, it's 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 hard to understand, and I think Harbaugh wants it both ways, right? He wants, as you keep saying, you know, two great quarterbacks, you know, sure. Who doesn't want two of everything? You know, I want I want two Ferraris. I want two wives. I want two houses. You know, sure, two is always better than one. But the reality is, there's sometimes, you know, that's not a tenable situation, and you're going to have to you're going to encounter some problems doing that. You know, like you just it's just not a. a, a I mean, is is that I'll, I'll get to this question a little bit, but I mean, it's just a, it's not a situation that's going to continue. You know, it can exist for a little bit you know, one season probably, and then things have to change. Well, every, every, yeah. I mean, history shows us that, right. And I'm curious what you think of this, this Michael, uh, uh, curious what you think of this, Michael. 
I would argue that if let's just say for argument's sake that Michigan had a, a senior quarterback last year, they had a great year, whatever. And McNamara was kind of the backup to him. And McCarthy comes in as a freshman last year and they're the same age as they are right now. And McNamara had showed, you know, good stuff in practice, but they just had this other quarterback. And so coming into camp this year, it's McCarthy and McNamara and they both had the camps they had, and McNamara's thinking, oh, this is the best I've ever felt on a football field, and McCarthy's showing what he's showing. There's no way to me that they do this. Harbaugh names McCarthy out of the gate. I think that what he did that in deference to what McNamara did a year ago, but if you take that out and you're just judging what happened in August and now in the first two games, not even the first, just August, then I think it's an easier decision for him. I'm curious what you think of that as a coach to yourself too. I don't know. I, the idea that he did it out of deference to McNamara, I think that sounds really good, and I get it from like a moral standpoint, but I think the more logical thing is he wanted to do what was best for Michigan football, and the best thing for Michigan football was to keep two quarterbacks on his roster that he thinks can win games in case one of them gets hurt. So by letting this competition continue or letting Cade think that the job is his or whatever, whether he intended to or not, that makes – that gives Cade no reason to enter the transfer portal until it comes to a point where entering the transfer portal doesn't allow him to play right away anymore because the deadline passes. And, you know, I know you guys both know the great columnist at Yahoo Sports, Dan Wetzel. He was talking about this a while ago on his podcast, and he referred to what Harbaugh did as portal guarding. And I thought that was a pretty clever term, essentially saying that what Jim did was arrange the quarterback competition in a way that guarded against one or both of the players going into the portal because they were unhappy with the way the arrangement was shaking out. And I tend to think that would be more of what happened just because whenever you talk to Harbaugh, all he says over and over again is every move that I make, everything that we do is in order to, to find what's best for Michigan football, what's best for the team, what's best for the program, what's best for the you know season, et cetera, et cetera. And having Cade and or JJ leave over the summer is not what's best for Michigan football. So I, I think it was an open competition. I, I think maybe he gave Cade the benefit of the doubt by letting him start in week one. Um, and, you know, maybe Cade took slightly too much liberty by thinking that, you know, getting voted captain meant that he was the starter and, and all that stuff. You know, I'm not saying it's Cade's fault, but there is a fraction of the pie, I think, that, you know, Cade would like to have back if he could do it again with some of the things that he said in public. But I don't know. I, I just kind of think coaches are going to – and look, I, this is not – let me preface this by saying if whether it was Jim Harbaugh or Nick Saban or Mel Tucker or whoever – I would be saying the exact same thing. This isn't a specific criticism of Harbaugh. I just think the coach at Michigan did what was best for Michigan the way the coach at any school would do what's best for his school. And so I would be just as critical, whoever the individual was. I just think it could have been handled in a way that gave McNamara some options if he wanted those options. And instead, it was not handled that way. Well, I agree with you that he was doing what he thought was best. And I don't mean that he was trying to protect McNamara. I think he. I think it's, it has to do also with the locker room. I mean, the fact that he was voted captain says a lot, right? You risk if you if you just automatically hand the job to a guy who had surgery, miss spring ball, comes in is a little bit rusty the first couple of weeks, which by all accounts he was, and that's what you're going to do when this other quarterback is beloved. And you, to me, you're putting other things at risk there, right? Yeah, I and mean that's, that's and that's what I think about protecting the team. I agree with you about the portal. But I think it's even bigger than that. I, I I think it's because it sends a message to everybody else. And what and if he's always preaching meritocracy, 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 and based on what McNamara did, 
and McCarthy being hurt, not having the chance. I mean, you'd probably agree if McCarthy's in spring ball and healthy from the start, maybe it's not a competition that way either. Yeah. I think the other thing to remember is that there, there's two groups of people that coaches are trying to appease. One of them is the group that's in the locker room. And the other one is the group they're trying to get into their locker room. <laughs> that's right. And so all of the freshmen that are on campus now, based on the story that our colleague Reiner Saban wrote last year, they were pitched on the fact that this was going to be JJ's offense, that they were going to sling the ball all over the field, that he was going to be the guy that it was going to turn over to him. And so, you know, maybe the coaches, when they said those things were speaking more generally in that, you know, Cade, uh, they just assumed that JJ would succeed Cade at some point, but you know, there's also the idea that if this is what you're telling recruits and then those recruits get on campus and it's not exactly what they were pitched, do they just jump in the transfer portal right away? So I think coaches have these commitments on both ends of the spectrum. Now keep the guys in their program happy, but also make sure that the things that they said to get the new guys in don't contradict, uh, you know, don't clash with, with each other. Okay, Michael, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlos Sean. My name is Kerry Jr. The second. I'm a podcast producer and reporter with the Detroit Free Press, and now the host of Freep's new weekly podcast, On the Line. Our job is to understand the issues and the people that the issues affect in our state and region and tell the news. I want Detroiters, I want Michiganders, I want Metro Detroiters to hear themselves and maybe get a sense of peace in this podcast. Maybe not in the topics we're covering, but in the sense that we're the Detroit Free Press. And you can come here to know what's happening and trust that we're going to tell the truth, give you the facts, and do it authentically. We're going to give you the voices that are in those areas, whether it be in Owasso, whether it be in Petoskey, whether it be in Birmingham, Warren, Gross Point, Southwest Detroit. You know, we're going to give you what it sounds like to be there. So every Friday in your feed, wherever you get your podcast, when you press play, we want this podcast to sound like home. We want it to sound like Michigan. We want it to sound like Detroit. And I think that's all I got. So let the journey begin. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Um, Carlos, Michael just made a really good point about the idea of college coaches at the f- football and basketball too, but at the highest levels, having to continually recruit, you, you know, not just high school kids, but recruit the players in your own locker room and how you're trying to, I don't want to say appease because it makes it, we don't want to assume there's always tension everywhere, but there often is. And um, I'm, I'm curious what you, what you think of that, Carlos. Yeah. I mean, you have to appreciate the the juggling heck they have, right? I mean, it's, it's a game of chess. They got to, uh, you know, uh, keep the team together, keep them motivated, you know, not to, not to disenfranchise any group of players, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so, so, so my question, you know, leading to this is, is, you know, asking Michael, is there any way that Cade McNamara does not transfer after this season? Um, I mean, technically, yeah. If he decided he wanted to go pro, he wouldn't have to transfer. (laughs) Uh, He could go try and cut his teeth as a backup or a practice squad guy or whatever, because He's good enough to where he would get an invite to training camp from somebody. And who knows? I mean, like he could even be a seventh round draft pick or something like that, a late draft pick. Um, but if I was Cade and, and I'm not and I don't necessarily have a ton of knowledge uh, in terms of his his thought process on this, but I would think that he would be reasonably attractive in the transfer portal to like that that second tier level of team. And by that, I mean, not Alabama, not Georgia, not places like that, but, you know, most teams in the big 10, I think would at least 
you know, take a sniff around and see what he was interested in. You know, certainly maybe schools in the ACC. I know he's from Reno, so maybe some Pac-12 schools uh, outside of, of USC and, and Oregon would probably uh, be interested in him. So I think he would have options, and I think he could probably find a situation where he would be more or less guaranteed to be the starter. Um, I kind of think that would be attractive to him just because he is such a competitor. He's smart enough to know that he's not – Peyton Manning in terms of what his NFL future is probably going to look like. So with NIL and everything else, he can still find a way to, to you know, make a decent amount of money and, and be the man, so to speak, at, at another program. Um, you know, we talked about this, I think, the last time you guys had me on, but he has two more years of eligibility after this. So theoretically, on paper, he could overlap with the entirety of J.J. McCarthy's career. And this goes to that point that you made, Carlos, about the situation is tenable and we say that in quotes for a short amount of time but it's not tenable over the long run so something has to change and, and if you ask me right now is Kate on the Michigan roster next season I would say no um, but does he play somewhere else or does he decide you know I've already got my degree he's working on a master's degree right now he might even finish that by May depending on the length of the program you may just say look I, I won a Big Ten title I got to the college football playoff I have two degrees let me go try and, and latch on with some team's 53-man roster as a backup or something like that. So I think that question's harder to answer, but the one of whether he'll be here or not, like it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to me for him to come back. Well, and, what, and this is just more commonplace. Carlos and I watched the quarterback. I don't know if you did, Michael, um, at, in person at Ford Field on Sunday who lost his job in Alabama after getting to the college football playoff, right? Jalen Hurts and got pulled in the title game. And then uh, where do you go? Oklahoma, I think. So, you know, it's just it's just kind of how it is. And what's interesting is that that Hurts right now looks like the better quarterback. I don't know how that'll play out in the long run over Tua. But um, in any case, it, there was probably no great way to handle any of this. And I, I think if, unless you don't have a soul or a heart, you, you have some empathy for Cade McNamara and for other players who find themselves in these positions after doing everything they've been asked. And they're good at what they do, sometimes really good. And somebody comes along who's just a little bit better. And um, that's, a, that's a tough, tough thing in life, but it is part of life. And to your point, Michael, it's always going to be about what's best for the program because there are people that have a lot at stake that, that are uh, trying to make sure that what's best for the program is going to lead to wins. Having said all that, Michael, what about the ceiling now of this, of this offense, of this team with J.J. McCarthy running things and, and how how can it be maybe different from a year ago? Yeah, it's, it's really exciting, I think, for, for fans because J.J. can just do stuff that Cade can't. And I know that sounds really, you know, generic, but what I mean is, you know, he made that – he can make the throw from one boundary to the other. He can scramble outside the pocket and, and Brett Favre his way to a, a completion after he's rolled out and bought three or four or five seconds or whatever the case may be. But most importantly, I think he has the deep ball range and accuracy to make better use of some of the speed that Michigan does have on this defense. Because Cornelius Johnson is probably a 4-4-5 to 4-5 guy, so that's good speed. Roman Wilson is is down in the low 4-3s, if you believe the coaching staff. That's you know about as good as it gets at the college level. Um, they've got some younger freshmen who are burners as well. So I think, you know, I mean, look, in week one, when McNamara started, he did not throw a pass that traveled more than 20 yards downfield. And JJ had like three or four completions that went longer than 20 yards downfield, let alone, 
you know, balls that were just thrown that far and then might have gotten, you know, tipped or fell incomplete or whatever. So I just think the ceiling is so much different. And and one area that I think it could be especially different is in the red zone. Um, Sean, you and I talked about this a lot in press boxes last year, especially the first half of the season where McNamara was great at moving the ball between the 20s and then the offense would just kind of crumble in the red zone. Now, it wasn't always his fault. Sometimes receivers weren't getting open. We saw, excuse me, we saw for the first half of the year, offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis basically refused to design anything for the tight ends in the red zone. And then the tight ends became a focal point in the red zone in the second half of the year. So there were all different factors there. But McCarthy's ability to run, his ability to extend plays, all the different things that you kind of see, you know, on Sundays with some of these best quarterbacks, your Aaron Rodgers, your Patrick Mahomes, these guys that can just make stuff happen. I'm not saying McCarthy's on that level. I'm saying his playing style is closer to that than it would be of a statuesque Tom Brady style where you're staying in the pocket. And if the pocket collapses, well, that's, that's all there is to it. So what is the ceiling? I mean, I think either he or Cade could probably have won just about every game on the schedule. And I know based on the first couple of games, maybe that sounds silly based on, you know, what Cade did, but I still think he could have won most of the games on the schedule. JJ can too. I just think JJ probably gives him a better chance against Ohio state. And if they do reach the college football playoff again, I think he gives them a better chance against whatever caliber of opponent they're going to face there because he can put up points in bunches seven at a time instead of Cade who puts up points in bunches but mixes in some threes with those sevens. And that makes it hard to keep up with schools that can score 40 or 50 a game. I want to get back to just uh, one thing before, you know, we move on because, you know, we can't talk enough about the quarterback situation probably for, for Sean's liking, at least, um, you know, you, you brought up the, uh, the Dan Wetzel portal guarding idea. And my, my, I, I just wonder, you know, and obviously, you know, when time passes, I don't know if people will remember exactly what happened this year and how it, how it transpired or, you know, kids are different when they come in, right. Everybody thinks it's, you know, the world has just been invented when they arrive, but what can that work a second time? Can he portal guard this time? And then, Jaden Davis comes in in a couple of years, whatever it is, you know, and there's another maybe kind of similar situation or whatever. I mean, will people not sniff it out of, oh, you're doing the same thing? Like, nobody, you got to name me the starter. I'm not the starter by the start of spring ball or during spring ball or whatever, whenever the, the deadline is, what is it, July or whatever, you know, then I'm out of here. Um, or do kids really have enough belief in themselves to always think they're going to win the job because they're just better? Well, I think that, and I also think every school in the country is doing this. It's not unique to Michigan. So if they're being pursued by Michigan and Ohio State and Alabama and whoever, you know, Nick Saban and, and Ryan Day are doing the same portal guarding stuff. Uh, I mean, look, Ryan Day said he needed $13 million or whatever it was to keep his roster together. So, you know, that's essentially portal guarding. Pay me so I can pay the players and then they won't go into the portal. So I, I, it's, it's, I think it's just kind of like the, the new wave and, and maybe there will be guys who will specifically seek out situations where there's basically no threat to them to start day one quarterbacks I'm talking about, or skill position players for the most part. But, you know, in terms of Jaden Davis, you know, he's a, he's a junior right now. So he's got this year and next year, that would be McCarthy's senior year that he would be coming in as a true freshman. Um, you know, who knows if J.J. explodes this year and next year, he could go to the NFL by then uh, after his junior season, which is what a lot of people thought when he got on campus, that he would be a, a three and done type of a guy. I don't know. It's it's hard. I, part of me says like this, this isn't that big of a I mean, the transfer portal is a huge thing. Don't get me wrong. But 
recruiting talent every single year is not a new concept. And and if you happen to recruit over the guys that you have, just because you got better players one year than the year before, like, I, I don't think that's necessarily a new concept. I mean, you know, Sean, last year with basketball, we saw Brandon Johns, who had done a lot for this team the year prior, basically get forced out of the lineup within a month for Musa Diabate, simply because Juwan Howard had recruited over the talent level that Brandon Johns had and brought in somebody better. And nobody really cried or, or whined for, for Brandon Johns because they saw how much better Musa was. And, and I wonder if over the next few weeks, if McCarthy just completely lights it up, if all of a sudden, you know, the the idea that Jim did something wrong or uh, left McNamara aggrieved kind of fades away because they see, yeah, I mean, maybe he could have handled it slightly better or differently, but holy cow, this kid is just electric. So it's it's really interesting. It's it's hard. And I think, you know, the bottom line is it goes back to this idea that in the transfer portal era, everybody's kind of learning on the fly. Same with the NIL stuff. How much do you have to promise? What do you have to promise? How strong do those promises have to be? If you break those promises, what's the next group going to think about you as a coaching staff? And it's all this weird gray area that everyone's figuring out on the fly. So it's it's just it's just murky. But I think that's that's the time we live in now. That's right, re- and that's really the only difference, Michael. I mean, those those are all good points. Is the ability to leave because you used to come no matter how good you were. You you had to wait your turn, and there wasn't wasn't much you could do about it, right? And if you did, you were going to have to give up a year of eligibility to do it, and you don't have to do that anymore. I mean, Justin Fields couldn't beat out Jake Fromm, right, in Georgia. He goes to Ohio State. Joe Burrow's at Ohio State. He can't get past Justin Fields. He goes to LSU. This this stuff is, I mean, it's it's maybe new to Ann Arbor right now, but it's not new to college football. It's been it's been going on for a few years. I don't think. In fact, I think the opposite of what you say. McCarthy just goes nuts this next uh, month six weeks two months whatever people are going to wonder and look back and say what were you looking at harbaugh back in back in the summer and i also think what makes this a little bit unique is getting getting back to the fact that mccarthy missed spring ball and so it, it just wasn't as clean and so it was kind of a unique situation that way because of the injury and uh speaking of johns that that's a that's a good point but i would argue with mcnamara because he was the quarterback because you know, Beeline had a different kind of success. Michigan hadn't tasted that kind of run in a generation. And McNamara wasn't the best player on that team by any means, but he was sort of the face of it in a, in a way, right? The sentimental face of it. And so there's there's a connection there. But at the same time, you've seen in social media how quickly folks are reacting. They didn't like the way he responded after Colorado State. And then some of them were booing him, which I think was going way too far the other day against Hawaii. But uh, you know, it's. I, I think for the most part, fans understand how how messy this can be. Having said all that, though, do you think? Because getting back to your point about watching uh, what McCarthy can do, can do over McNamara, you and I were watching the game in person in Georgia, and I remember McCarthy comes in and immediately makes a couple of plays where he gets outside, and people are dismissing it, saying, "Well, that's not against their starters." Well, you know what? Those starters are right now starting for the number one team in the country. And those are all NFL guys. So I, I, you know, I don't know what you make of that, Michael, but there was a, there was a clear difference the minute McCarthy got in the game against Georgia. Yeah. I mean, he can, it, it just comes down to the fact that he can just do things that Cade can't, he can gobble up yards faster. He can run, he can move all those different types of things. So I think it's a, you know, if McNamara has a high floor, then McCarthy just has a higher ceiling. And I think that's kind of what it comes down to. Um, Carlos, I had a question for you, though. You know, I think even if this remains 
icky with Cade and JJ and Cade is grumpy or whatever, or even if it gets worse and Cade, you know, just after the season storms off in a tirade, whatever. Do you agree with me that 10, 15, 20 years from now, people will still look at him pretty fondly for what he did and that no matter how messy this eventual divorce, if in fact there isn't, if in fact there is an eventual divorce, no matter how messy it is, that over time people will be appreciative of what he did, even if McCarthy goes on to be whatever McCarthy's going to be? Um, yes, unless he goes to a, you know, the Big Ten East program and comes down and stuffs it down their throat, right? And uh, yeah, it, it, all, it all depends on how he handles his uh, the future, right? If he goes to a different team and whatever. If he doesn't, if he doesn't talk poorly uh, of Michigan, in, if he goes to go play for, a, you know, whatever it might be, right? Uh, some other, you know, second tier kind of program, whatever, he doesn't besmirch the good name of Michigan. I think so. Cause you know, once you're, once you're a Michigan man, you're a Michigan man, right? If you just, you just say the right things and all that, you'll, you'll be good. I think, what do you think, Sean? Is he, is his uh, legacy uh, uh, secured? If he doesn't way, talk smack? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I guess he would have to talk a lot of smack just the way people responded to the few yahoos who booed. Right. I mean, just, I mean, there's a lot of love for him. It's the difference between like Joe Burrow, I don't know that he's got any kind of connection with Ohio State because he didn't do anything there. He didn't get the chance to do anything there. Whereas Hertz in Alabama is beloved, right? And they, they just intuitively came in and had it was spectacular. And you're thinking about the potential. So to me, that's the difference. I, I think he's fine. That was a, that was the, the the snowflake game, right? Uh, beating the Buckeyes. I know Hutchinson's kind of the, the the iconic figure out of all that, but. But McNamara is part of that, too, in a really, really uh, fundamentally emotional way. And sports are about, especially fandom, it's about emotion. And there's a connection there, especially with the university. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I also think, too, that McNamara is smart enough to know um, that McCarthy's playing style doesn't necessarily lend itself to 100% health over the course. Exactly. I wrote that. Um, Exactly. McCarthy's a guy who, you know, he was open about it the other night when we talked to him. He said, I love contact. I grew up a hockey player. I like getting hit in games. I like fighting for extra yards, but I'm having to learn that when I do that, it's just me being selfish and it's not necessarily for the best interest of the team. So I'm trying to have to learn when I slide, when I go out of bounds, all that stuff, because it's really self-serving if I'm just trying to fight for extra yards, but then I get hurt. So, you know, I think there's a chance that we see, McNamara again at some point this year if, if J.J. McCarthy gets nicked up. Um, I also still have some mild concerns about that shoulder injury. You know, he admitted that it was a labrum problem and that he was at one point very close to having surgery on it and they decided not to. And so if it was at a point where surgery was at least entertained, even if it was ultimately decided against, that tells me that, you know, it was a pretty significant injury. And so who knows how that's going to respond by November when he's thrown all kinds of passes and taken some hits and this, that, and the other, maybe it's nothing. And maybe I'm just bringing this up and it proves to be irrelevant, but you know, labrums and throwing shoulders are a big deal. And so that was uh, when he admitted that it was a labrum issue, that kind of was like, Whoa, okay. Store this away just in case it's a potential red flag. And uh, well, I mean, could go ahead, Carl. Sorry. Could we see uh, Kate in the maybe early third quarter when they're up 48, nothing on UConn? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a given, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't understand why Harbaugh just doesn't, hey, hey JJ, you won the job, but Cade's going to play against UConn. Just, you know, just rest that shoulder up a little, buddy. And that's not going to be fun, by the way, if we could just say this, uh, just, just the last thing on Cade. That, that's not going to be fun. It's just not. All of a sudden, he's coming in during the blowouts, right? Like, it's going to be awkward. It's going to be, to use a really great word, icky. 
Yeah, but not necessarily for other people. I mean, there'll be some empathy for him, but it's mostly going to be within Cade. That's just that's just going to be really tough for him. At least last year, McCarthy came in, uh, and it was part of the game plan, right? So yeah. McNamara now, McNamara now is going to come in if the game's out of hand. So I guess that's loosely a game plan, but it's not it's not anywhere near the same strategy. Yeah, well, so I was yeah. on the radio uh, earlier this week, and somebody asked me the question of, is there any way that Cade would come in in small doses the way that JJ did last year? And and the way I was kind of thinking about it in my head is. JJ came in for certain situations because he can do things that Cade can't do in terms of mobility, in terms of arm strength, in terms of whatever. But I was struggling to come up with a skill that Cade has that would warrant putting him in the game in small situations that JJ doesn't have. The only one I kept coming back to was experience, 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 which is certainly valuable. But I, I just don't know if it's valuable enough to where you wouldn't want to take JJ off the field in a key third down, just because Cade's been in key third downs before he doesn't have the arm strength. He doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the mobility. So that it, I, I don't think, I think it would be JJ start to finish in close games. I don't really see a need to, to use Cade, which, which again, like you said, Sean, it's not going to be fun. It's going to suck for him. It, it really is. And I think he's a type of player and personality, human being. How about that? who is not going to try to drag everybody down with him, whatever he's roiling inside with. And we've all been there to some degree or the other. I don't think he's going to, you know, right. Not only that, it's not going to be good if he wants to transfer because those coaches are going to make, you know, I mean, they're going to make calls and they talk and they're like, yeah, the way he handled this, you remember how Saban talked about, I hate to keep coming back to Hertz, but I remember how Saban talked about how Hertz handled that and how hard that was and how, how difficult a situation that was to navigate and, and the way he did it. And, you know, obviously he's super talented and he's more talented than McNamara, but I got to believe that uh, that makes a difference real quickly. I could see a scenario. Let's just say they're at Iowa and I was not that good, but I don't know. It's it's, they're not been scoring. He's a little bit off target. He's feeling the pressure. Maybe you could see to start the third quarter. All right, let's come with McNamara because we don't want to lose this game. McCarthy's feeling the pressure. I'm not saying that'll happen, but that's the only scenario I could see where they want somebody who's not going to feel the pressure in the same way. I think that's fair. What do you think, Carlos? Yeah, I don't. I don't think you have to worry about Iowa after they lost to Iowa State, and they, they, that's not a that's not a really big. Will, will Ferentz be the coach still at that point? I don't know. Um, yeah, maybe, possibly. I but I could see. I mean, the the situation I see right is it's really not a strategy thing. It's just is McCarthy feeling a little banged up, and it's like is a full Cade better than a three quarters McCarthy in this situation, especially if, if the protection's breaking down, he's getting hit a little bit too much, you know, like, Hey, take him out and let's, let's live to see another day. Um, let's see him operate. And that's another question for McNamara, right? Is how is he going to respond when he's rusty? And when he doesn't get a lot of, even though he has experience, you know, if he doesn't play much the next few games, and if he has to come in against a, decent big 10 opponent you know it might be it might be a little icky yet again i love that word michael thank you for ringing <laughs> well, it look at, i'm looking at the schedule they beat maryland by a million last year so he could play against maryland you know let's just assume for argument's sake Iowa is close they're gonna probably mash indiana so he could play against indiana penn state and michigan state again for argument's sake let's say those are close but they're probably going to kill rutgers they're probably going to kill nebraska they're probably going to kill illinois so there's like six games that mcnamara could still play in in the second half if they're lopsided so i don't know it's it's and again you know to go back to sean's point like 
just because he's playing in those six games, I still don't think it's going to be fun for him. Like he's going to be in there with backups and second stringers and he's going to know it's irrelevant and fans are going to be trickling out of the stadium. It's just, I don't know. Like, yeah, I think he's going to get enough reps to where he stays somewhat sharp, but I just think he, I don't know. To me, it sounds pretty miserable, but I guess I'm not him. So I don't know. You also have to look at it a little bit of as a, almost like a tryout, you know, for other teams, if he is going to transfer or go to the NFL, which I'm not even going to get into that, but, but yeah, I mean, his next step, right. The next, he's got to do something to show I'm still a viable quarterback. I can even un, not the best situation to come into. I'm a, I can be professional. I can do what I need to do. Exactly. In this team. Exactly. Exactly. That's uh that's the key. All right, uh, Michael, um, thank you so much for giving us your time and coming in. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Hopefully, uh, they remain relevant. I think, you know, as you pointed out, they're probably not going to lose, well, for a while anyway. So we will uh, love to have you back soon. Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. I appreciate it. All right, anytime. We will uh, take one more quick break and be right back with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. Hello, I'm Phil Friend, the host and producer of Spartan Speak, a podcast collaboration between the Detroit Free Press and Lansing State Journal focusing on Michigan State sports. Each week, I'm joined by the OGs of the MSU podcasting game, freak beat writer Chris Slarry and LSJ sports columnist Graham Couch, as we discuss and dissect the latest sports news coming out of East Lansing. Not only is Spartan Speak one of, if not the longest-running MSU sports podcast out there, you won't find a show with two people as clued into the Spartans as Chris and Graham, each of whom have spent a decade-plus covering MSU and bring years of institutional knowledge and insight to the podcast. And once in a while, they'll let me throw out a take as well. Along with discussing the latest news, we'll break down the Spartans' last game in the hardwood and the gridiron. What went right? What went wrong? Jet sweep. Again? For both Mel Tucker and Tom Izzo, get you ready for the next game, make predictions, and so much more. We can also guarantee at least one reference to Kalamazoo every podcast. So if you haven't already, download, subscribe, and listen to Spartans speak on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on your podcast app of choice. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Carlos, um, I know you don't really care for college football, but um, you're kind of being forced. It's it's being forced upon you now, isn't it? I mean, it's it's the story. Well, the Lions. We're about to talk about the Lions here, but it's it's been the biggest story, right? The quarterbacks and all that. You can't escape it. I'm sorry, you cannot. And uh, the the all the the fanaticism that goes along with college football is the the best thing about college football, right? And uh, and we have a lot of it here and all the drama that comes out of uh Shen Beckler Hall, as I said earlier, you know, it's, it's good for business, Sean, really good for business. Yeah, it, it, it certainly can be. It's and especially when they're winning, right? I mean, uh, when they're losing, that's good for business for a short period of time. And then people just get, you know, I don't care. We've had this like- discussion. I don't care if you win or you lose, you lose. I can't, not, I'm not going to follow that. I mean, it's like, yeah, if, if your team wins Super Bowl after Super Bowl championship after championship, yeah, yeah, well, that's fine. Whatever, you know, but look at the Dodgers. I mean, I don't think, I don't think the Dodgers are getting any more huge amount. The, 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 the media in LA gets a ton more traffic. I mean, it's still the NFL, even though the Rams just won a Super Bowl, you know, there's going to be a lot of like, interest in justin herbert with the chargers and the the rams and well yeah you know, the, the dodgers are the best team in baseball they've been the best team in the baseball for like how many years now you know it's like yeah yeah winning i'm not great. saying i can't i'm not saying i care one way or the other what i'm saying is um readers they're more interested for with winning they will hate read for a while and the numbers bear this out i mean we, we can track this kind of stuff and it shows even with michigan football right um 
you know, with the Lions, how about we start with the Lions with, with, and keep this line of question going a little bit or line of talk. The Lions, I don't remember the last time I heard that kind of noise in there. I felt that kind of electricity. It's been, it's been a, a bit. Yeah. Uh, I assume you would agree with that. My question to you is uh, how long will we feel that again this season? Uh, you know, it's always, I mean, it, it, it does tend to get loud in the season opener um, when the team is not, even last year, probably the first home game, you know, there was, there was some, there's always excitement, um, you know, but it was, it was start to finish. Is that going to keep going? Um, yeah. I mean, if they, if they're competitive as they should be, you know, in the next few home games, I mean, that, I think that would, that would be sustained. Um, and you're right. I mean, definitely one thing for lot for fans, whether they read or not, or whatever, you know, going to the games. Yeah. You have to win to keep the momentum and keep fans coming and keep them energized. So, uh, I think that this is something that, you know, I don't know if they've turned a corner yet, you know, but, but that showing against Philadelphia. And I think you're going to see as the season goes on that Philadelphia is a pretty good team. So having that kind of showing, you know, in the season open or at home is, is promising. What kind of feedback did you get to your column? Because you, you and I wrote, uh, I wrote kind of an instant, what we call an instant column. I, we just made that up. It's not any long-term journalism thing, but, uh, and then you wrote, uh, you know, a much more thoughtful, pensive column that basically said the same thing. You just need a little bit more time um, to get your thoughts together, which is which is good. You have a lot more thoughts to sift through. You're just a bigger brain. So, and I and I accept that. <laughs> but in any case, um, what do you what do you think? I mean, uh, do you buy? I mean, I'm curious what the response was to your column because I did hear from some folks that are just sick of it. Even though they, it was fun, even though it was loud, even though it was competitive, um, they are sick of it. They want to be the team that has the pick six. They want to be the team that makes the stop and makes the, the winning field goal, as we saw a few times around the NFL Sunday, right? We saw a couple of upsets or what we thought are upsets, what we think are upsets. They might not be upsets two months from now. Look back, look it back. But what do you think? I mean, did you get some of that kind of response? Yeah, I mean, there was the one the one response I remember clearly was uh someone on I don't know, it was an email or something from uh it was just an initial it was A Windsor from Ann Arbor saying that my column was much better than Sean's for some reason. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, it's uh you know, people yeah, you're you know, I mean, I hey, listen, give me all the response you want on Twitter, email, text, you know, you're not going to text me, but you know, people are going to be critical, right? It's uh, if you're negative, you're always negative. If you are putting out the nuance, oh, you're too positive and you're just, you know, carrying the water. And I was, you and I were. Did you get accused? Did you get accused of that? Yes, That's yes I got start. accused of being too positive and you're just drinking the Kool Aid and you're just, you know, you're just in love with Dan Campbell and this and that, you know. Um, and it's like, no, like there's a lot of nuance to what happens. And, and that's the disappointing part is I hope that if you would read my column, if you would read your column carefully, you know, we're the ones who we, we follow these players, these coaches, we're in the locker rooms at practices over years, we see the difference, you know, we see the, the tone and I, and I try to convey that as much as I can. It's not just what happened on the field. It's how, how these teams synthesize it you know, how they look at it, how they, you know, and if you saw the way I, I went to the light, to the Eagles press conference with Slay and Sirianni and 
you know, and even though they were happy, they got the win. There was, you could tell there was a little bit of, we, we escaped this thing. We just got out of this, you know, relief. And the Eagles should not have felt relief after that game. They should have felt like, oh man, we, we dusted the lions. No problem. Right. We have uh deep playoff hope aspirations. And if you got the sense from the lions, they felt proud of themselves for what they did for sticking to it, to, to what they wanted to do, coming back, rallying, almost winning, almost having a chance to win that game, you know, three point loss. Um, yeah. They're, they're not like they're happy that we lost, that they lost, but I think they probably in all honesty, exceeded their expectations a little bit in that game. I mean, what, what was your sense of that? Uh, I saw a lot of those quotes from Philadelphia, including from Hertz who flat out said, man, that's a good team. Right. Yeah. And you, 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 you never hear that from the opponents. I mean, it's not going to say anything. They're not going to rip on the lions. They're just going to be, they're just going to not say much, but so that was a little surprising. And uh, so I got the same sense. I wasn't in there like you, but from the Lions part of it, they were almost a little frustrated. They felt like they let, like that was their game, even though it may not have looked like that for a big chunk of it. But that, you know, that's felt a little different to me. Like, I think they actually thought that they were going to win a game well, going into the game. Yeah. And that felt weirdly different. I, I you know, maybe that's delusional. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I mean, Campbell said that I think the next day on Monday or something like we just ran out of time, which which isn't really true. Like, if you need five quarters to win a game, you're not winning the game, really. But but yeah, you you they felt like we're surging here. They had the momentum, you know, I don't know how many unanswered points they scored, but they had the momentum there. And you could see the Eels were were playing tighter, right? And the Lions were doing what they needed to do. And um, they, they, they gave themselves a chance, um, you know, saying that they – Golf, I think, said, you know, we felt we could have scored 50, you know, like, yeah, okay, you know, whatever. There there were some, yeah, it wasn't perfect, whatever. there was some promise, and, and I think that's what you can take from this, is just that there was some promise with this team. You know, defensively, they need a ways to, have a ways to go, but offensively, you know, they showed some things that they can build on, um, and against a good team. So, that was, it's a good start. That's what you could hope for with this team, is a good start. You know, we'll see how many wins they end up with, but you know, that's encouraging when they start saying these kind of things, um, you know, 50 points and we ran out of time and what and hurts. And I think Slay said the same thing, you know, good team. Um, so, you know, you can't, you, you know, I don't know how, how you can accuse people of drinking too much Kool-Aid if you watch that same game, but you know, they're always, yeah, no, I'm with, yeah, no, yeah, no, I know I'm with you. I, I heard some of the same thing, but I just, uh, yeah, I thought they showed some showed some juice and don't say grit. Uh, and no, I'm not going to say grit, but just you just and by juice I mean just playmaking, right? I mean there's just a little bit more yeah. of it, and not a, not enough to go win a Super Bowl or make a playoff run or or make the playoffs, but but enough to be a little bit more consistently competitive and and to win more than three games, uh, barn health. Yeah, that that that's what I saw. I mean, who knows, right? But. Maybe maybe Philly's terrible and none of us know what we're looking at at all. But it just it just felt it felt a little bit different. Having said that, they need to beat Washington. I, I, I'm with. I mean, they, for these fans' sake, for to show that it's a little bit yes. different, to, to to prove all this talk from the camp, what we heard in Hard Knocks, all that. They need to beat Washington. They do. They lose to Washington, and and then who's next? Minnesota. At right? Minnesota, yeah. At, at Minnesota, not New England. Yeah, no, they're not. And, you know, New England, I know, got spanked the other day, but uh, on Sunday. 
But uh, yeah, it it could get really ugly in a hurry if they don't beat Washington. This is this is a game that you know the Commanders are not a good team. They barely they they it was a narrow win over Jacksonville in Washington. You know this is the kind of subpart team. And yes, the Lions are probably a sub they're a subpart team too, but they need to be able to to you know build on what they did that first week and another home game and beat a bad team or a very not good team like Washington, they need to beat them. They can't, there's no, this was close this week. I promise the readers, there's not going to be any, this, this was close and whatever. No, no, no. No. If you're going to win six or seven or whatever, or some crazy people were saying nine games, Sean, some people were saying nine games in the predictions. Who said, who said eight? Did Dave say, Dave Burkett say eight? I think he changed it to nine, maybe. You you Daddy. went to nine too, didn't you? I did. I was thinking eight, but then I thought, oh, maybe they'll get lucky and pick off one more. Yeah, yeah. We need. Hey, Andrew. Like like yesterday, I thought maybe they you know beat if they beat Philly. I was thinking other yeah. you know, and they came close. I just want yeah. to tell Andrew. No, no, I want to no tell close. Andrew and Anjanette we need some substance uh, testing after this uh, after these predictions. So, but no close, no close. <laughs> yeah, well, your your predictions are are often wrong too. The other way. That's so. How do how do we how do we hold you accountable for no, being wrong in that you way? Don't. Nobody remembers what they who predicted what. <laughs> so I see. I see. So you can bitch about uh, other people being not held accountable for being too of for course. being too high, but but when you're too low, which is usual. Usually, <laughs> I was uh, I was too high last week. Last year, I think everybody was way too high last year. Three wins. Who saw that? Well, yeah, nah, yeah, no, for sure, for sure, for sure. But I'm with you. No, they got to win, man. They, they they just do. Or I just. If you know, I'm not saying the season's over, but if they don't beat Washington, it's just it's going to get uh, it could get ugly for a while. Well, it's a right? bad sign, and that and that's the thing. You know, the, the Philadelphia game shows you something about potential, but the Washington game should also show you something about potential. You know, and I, I mean, hey, listen, I would expect them to win whatever you want to say handily by close to ten points in this game, but it, even if it's just a close one, a three point game win or whatever. You know, it, just a win, win is a win. Just right. win. Just, just win. win. Just One win. point. I don't care. Whatever. Even if, even if the commanders cough it up and whatever, and it's a defensive score at the, you know, whatever, something weird, a doink off the field, off the goalpost. If you doesn't matter, it's a win. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Got to win. Yeah. That's where we're, that's where we're at. Yeah. We had we get, they had the grace period. It was fun. It was loud. Yep. Um. You know. And now it's time to win. So, Absolutely. all right. What's uh, I think it's that time of the show for your favorite thing, and uh, I'm I'm curious what it is this week, my my brother. This is a good one, Sean. This is uh, my favorite thing was as I told you last week. Uh, Tony Garcia and I, you know, uh, great uh, young free press reporter. We were uh, co interim co head coaches. <laughs> For our softball team for the on Belle Isle for the free press. because uh, the uh the other great Tyler Davis assistant sports editor uh had some stupid free press fantasy football draft uh that Jim Schaefer was also at. So we had to sub for him. And it was a it was a really fun game. We won. It was only our second win of the season. So I'm now retiring with a 1.00 winning percentage as a coach. Thank you. Um, but here's a nice thing, Sean. Afterward, everybody was so happy. We had actually two get-togethers like the same week, <laughs> a few days with the softball team and and some friends and former, you know, uh, other journalism friends and and whatnot. And it was a lot of young people. And um, you and I are not young people anymore, Sean. And 
I don't, I don't get the chance to hang out with people who are, you know, 20 years younger than me that much anymore. It's always old people. We complain about our kids and paying for college and retirement and house mortgage stuff and laundry and sick parents. And when you get to be, you know, people of our age and are in our fifties, I don't know. You're, I, I think you might be in your seventies, but um, around 50, I guess somewhere life changes. And um, you forget how fun it is to talk to younger people and their concerns are very different. Um, And so it was really enjoyable to hang out with with my young teammates um, with the Free Press uh, softball team a couple of times last week. And uh, I look forward to doing that maybe a little bit more more often. Yeah, no, uh, that sounds really nice. And you're absolutely right. It is fun to hang out with uh, people a little bit younger, give you a little bit of energy, new perspectives, right? Yep. Absolutely. It's important. Yeah, the generation behind us always knows more. That's how it is. <laughs> and if you just accept that, you'd be a lot happier, right? Rather than just fretting and worrying that uh, they were going to destroy the world, which they're not. They're probably going to make it better. We did that. It, yeah, that's usually how that's usually how it goes. <laughs> my, my, my favorite thing is um, you apparently in this softball business years were coaching Mike Elric, our colleague <laughs> who writes the uh, Writes the uh, what does he write? He writes an investigative column. Is it investigative? Uh, right. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very, a, a rather lengthy column. It's fantastic, um, by the way. Yeah, it is. He does. A, he does a great job with it. And uh, I, of course, do a, a, a podcast. Maybe I shouldn't say of course. I don't expect you to know this, but I do a podcast with Mike. It's called The Soul of Detroit, and Mark Felhauer, who is our producer. And um, you mentioned to me, you said, "Hey, when you get over there and you see Mike." <laughs> You give him a hard time because uh, you were trying to coach him, <laughs> right? And uh, I don't know if he wasn't listening or he, he wasn't taking your advice, something. It wasn't going well. And he said, you let Mike know that uh, I didn't appreciate uh, his coaching. I mean, the way, the, you know, his response to my coaching. Maybe that was it. No, it was his pitching. It was his pitching. He wasn't uh, okay, he was, was struggling. So, okay, so he was struggling. So, well, I misunderstood that. So this makes it even better. So I told Mike. When I saw him, I said, hey, Carlos wasn't happy. He said he was coaching you or something, and you weren't you were doing a poor job or you weren't listening. He's like, he's like, look, well, judging by the way he writes, I would take whatever advice he has and do the opposite. <laughs> so that's uh, that, that that was his response. And that's not my favorite thing, actually. Real quickly, my favorite thing is that finally, 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 uh, because you mentioned the Minnesota game. The Lions are going to be on the road. Our colleague Jeff Seidel will be at that game. So you and I will be back here. And I think you're going to come over to Ann Arbor and we're going to watch the game together. And I'm going to make, uh, make some, make some food for you. So finally, after years and years of talking about it, uh, we're going to get to do it. And that's my favorite thing that it's uh, about to happen. I mean, I know maybe something will come up, but at least it seems real for a change. And uh, that's my favorite thing. Am I going to get the, uh, the Matt Charbonneau treatment and be able to like get, you know, food all day long and sleep over and be like an adopted son. You can have that or, uh, or, uh, yeah. I mean, I've, I, I can, br- I guess I could bring you food too. I've done that for them before <laughs> under certain circumstances, but, uh, yeah, come over. I'll bring a, um, I'll, we got a blow up mattress. Oh, nice. How would that be nice? Okay. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll tuck you in. I'll give you the quilt that, uh, my grandma <laughs> made for me. And how about that? Would that be oh, good? That'd be awesome. Yeah, I'm totally looking forward to it. What are you gonna make me? Okay. Whatever you want. I I I will probably barbecue, but if there's something else you want, then you know, we can we can do that too. 
Um, I will, I will it's, leave it up to the chef. I, you know, I've heard a lot about your, your wife's fried chicken that apparently you, you can. Yeah. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll just do that. But if that's, a, if we'll that's messy, that's chicken. a lot of work with the oil and everything. Well, would you consider eating fried chicken and some barbecue? Oh yeah. Kind of go together. Are you kidding? All right. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll just do that. We'll make fried chicken. I'll also make some barbecue and, um, some kind of barbecue. Oh, I don't know, pork or pulled pork or ribs or mm. smoke some. Well, we won't do barbecue chicken because we're going to fry it. But does that sound that good? That sounds fantastic. I'm already looking forward to All it. All right. Uh, yeah, I look forward to that. That's in a couple of weeks, and uh, I'm sure we'll have stories about it. Until then, actually, no, before then, we'll be back next week, right? Yeah. And uh, who knows? We're, we're going to have some football to talk about, and then uh, I don't know, whatever else you want to talk about. Yeah. Does that work? It still works. Yes, we can do it. All right, my man. Uh, who do we need to thank? You know who we need to thank. We, you know who we need to thank. Who, by the way, wasn't at the game last week. Executive producer and star right fielder Anjanette Delgado. What is she now? She's executive, co-executive producer, along with Kirkland Crawford. And are we? You know what? We didn't. We should have mentioned Andrew Hammond, though. Producer. He, he's well, at yeah, the top. We, we, we use it. We, we, he is at the top. He See, I'm, 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 do, I'm screwing this up. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the outro as well as uh, Elric pitches. So you gotta, you gotta. No, 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 no. Yank me now. No, you, you, you did great. We mentioned everybody we needed to mention, except for Peter Batia, the executive editor. He all, all obviously makes all this possible. And we want to thank the listeners, right, Carlos, for listening. I mean, that's a, that's pretty important. Our listener is very important to us. I think they're they're hugely important. Otherwise, it's just you and me just running around the house. And, I mean, I guess that's what it is anyway. Yeah. That's the that's but, the fun uh, yeah. part of it. Yeah, it is it is the fun part of it. So if you uh, want to keep listening, and we sure hope you do. In fact, we're 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 encouraging you to do. You can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast at Spotify, at Apple, and when you get there, subscribe, please. Give us a rating. Give us a give us a, a shout. You know, tell us what you think. Whatever it is you think, we'd uh, we'd love to hear from you. Carlos, when are we going to be back next week? Next week, Sean. Okay. With uh, more Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Until then, we will, uh, you know, I don't know. What are we going to do, Carlos? We're going to write about a lot of football. Yeah, we'll talk to you on Twitter. Okay. Okay, and we'll talk to you on Twitter. All right, folks, thanks again for joining us. We will talk to you next week.